All right, if you got your Bible, go ahead and turn to 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2. We're going to finish those uh, uh, other verses that we were looking at from last Wednesday night. And, uh, you know, there's so much in this stuff that you can look at. And uh, we were talking about last, uh, in the first six verses, about the deception uh, that was going to come about and uh, about the falling away. We had a really good study on that last week. Uh, before we get started, I need some scripture readers. Who wants to read the scripture for me? Get your hands up now and give one. All right, Brother Jim. Uh, Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Gene, Matthew 24, verse 36. Jeremiah, John, St. John, uh, 16, verses 13 and 14. Anybody else want one? Uh, Brother Jack, Matthew chapter 16, uh, verse 18. Got one more. Who wants it? Brother Gary, uh, Revelation chapter 19, uh, verses 19 through 21. Thank y'all. So we're going to be looking at this. If somebody would, go ahead and read for me. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 6 through 12, please. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And now you know what told thee he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doeth already works. Only he who know let it will let. Only he who take out of the way. And then shall that wicked and revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him, those coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivedness and unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of truth that they might be saved. And for the cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Okay, thank you. When you look at, uh, at the scripture right here, as a matter of fact, we've already did this scripture not very long, actually before we ever started the study of Revelation. Uh, so we're gonna look at this again. And, uh, and, and when you look in verse uh, six and seven, he talks about now we know what withholdeth that he might be that that he might be revealed in his time. So Satan uh, Satan cannot give the power to the Antichrist to come at when he wants to. God's in control of all that stuff that goes on in the Word that the Word professes, and uh, he he not only that he cannot even inhabit him until the time designated for this to happen. Uh, so uh, when, so who's in control of all this time when these things get to happen? God, God. God is. How do we know that? Jim, you got Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Will you read that for me, please? But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So, you know, a lot of people say, well, what does this scripture mean? It means that when it was the right time, God sent his Son. Jesus didn't come before his time. He didn't come after his time. He came at an appointed time that was already appointed by God. Did men know the time? No. They knew the place. They knew the, the what was going to take place. They didn't know exactly how it was going to take place, but they knew these things. They knew he was going to be born in Bethlehem. They knew that he was going to be born of a virgin. Of course, nobody was going to believe that, and, and a lot of people still don't believe it to this day. Uh, but uh, we know for a fact that all this is true because in the New Testament, they had to go by the stuff that was written in the Old Testament for these things that came to pass, 
And do you think they really knew all this stuff in the New Testament when they were proclaiming it? Mm, they didn't know what was going on. Uh, matter of fact, if you'll remember, uh, when, the, when the old mean king, what was the mean king's name then? Uh, Herod. Herod. When uh, Herod wanted to find out where he could go kill this newborn king, he asked him and they told him. Had to look it up, but they told him. So, uh, you know, being versed in the scripture is very important. Knowing the scripture is very important. And so sometimes by the time you uh, find out where the scripture's at, you, you, you needed it before then. So that's why we need to always know what the scripture is. But this is this time that's appointed to this, this uh, man right here, the man of sin, uh, he, he says that, that now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time can only be revealed in the time when God has designated for him to be revealed. Uh, who's got Matthew chapter 24, verse 36? Uh, Brother Gene, would you read that for me? I will. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Now, this is Jesus teaching about his second coming. And they wanted to know when it was going to happen. They wanted to know what would the sign be and all this stuff. And Jesus told them, no, no man knows this. No man. And was Jesus a man at that time? Yes. He was a man at that time. He was God, but he was a man. But no man knows the time. Only the Father knew the time. So the, the Father is in control of all this time, including the time that the Antichrist shows up. So we need to quit trying to invent the time and the hows and the whos and all that stuff and just realize that when it's time, it'll happen. And it'll probably happen so quick. If, if we are here, we won't even recognize it. Okay? It'll probably happen that way to those. I know it's going to happen that way. He's going to sneak up on everybody. That's what he's going to do. And because it's going to be the time. But, but he, Paul mentions in verse 6 that now and now you know what withholdeth. And then he goes into verse 7. And he talks about this, this mystery of iniquity. Now, a mis a, the mystery of iniquity. Iniquity means things that are immoral, offensive to society, and especially to God, and it's in reality sin against God. Uh, the word sin and the word iniquity is used almost uh, exactly the same way in the scripture. And so it's all against God. But he says here in verse seven, it is already at work. Jesus said the same thing, that the spirit of Antichrist was already at work. It was already at work years prior to that. And so uh, the spirit of iniquity is, is, has been at work all these years. Is it still at work? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you better believe it. <laughs> and you know, we like to say, well, it's more evident now than it was then. They had the same kind of atrocities and the same immorality that we have existing today. It just wasn't as open as it is today. <laughs> and people weren't so blatant with it as it is today. And they still had respect for authority in that day. There is no respect whatsoever for authority today. Let me, let me give you some examples. We want to think about that just as, as, as the police officers. We know that our police officers have been under ex, uh, extreme, extreme scrutiny across the nation for years now. Yeah. And, 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 and they have been called everything <coughs> under the sun. And, and we all know that the truth of the matter is if you, if you number them and they're in the millions, there's probably less than a half of a percent that has caused all this, but all the rest of them are getting a bad name because of that few. Same way with church people and churches. They, they can be 90% of the people in the church is great and 10% of them, and everybody thinks that church is corrupt. But everybody's a hypocrite. Everybody's a hypocrite because there's a few of them they've been counting. So we've got to be careful about that kind of stuff, but this mystery, this mystery of iniquity, uh, a mystery is something that, uh, that you kind of know about, but you don't know the how. Uh, when, when, you know, the, the mystery of Jesus Christ, for great is the mystery of godliness. Paul described that to us, that God was manifest in the flesh. That meant he came as Jesus Christ, and he was seen of angels, and he did all this. The mystery had been revealed and he could write it down. Well, this mystery right here of iniquity is already at work. So we already know the mystery and what it's looking like. We just hadn't seen the ultimate part of it yet. And so I'm glad that we hadn't seen it because uh, if you believe what we believe, it's going to be, it, we're going to change all of our thinking if, if we do actually see this. But it's all, already at work and we do see this today. 
now, uh, now look at this. It says, Now uh, only he who now letteth will let. Now he uses peculiar words here. And, and so when, when you read this, it's almost like, why didn't he just say this in plain English? English. Well, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible that's not said in plain English. You have to dig a little bit for it. But what, what we see here, that there is something that holds this back. And, and something is going to hold this back until the, God's time. And in God's time, whatever's holding it back, it's going to be revealed. Okay? Yeah. So there's something holding it back. And here, Paul refers to the, the holder, the one holding it back, as a he. He's a he. He don't say a her. He says a he. There's a he. And it's not capitalized. Right. It, it's a he who now letteth will let. In other words, he who is holding it is going to stop. And, you know, I, I thought about this and I believe this with all my heart. Could I be wrong? Absolutely, because of the wording and the mystery is still here. Uh, but I do believe that these things are things that we can see in Scripture. And I want to, you know, when you look at this, he who letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. So the one who, who will let us, who's stopping this, who's withholding this, he is going to be taken out of the way, and then something's going to happen. Then there's going to be the mystery that's going to be revealed. That's what he's saying. And so uh, John chapter 16, Jeremiah, you've got that, verses 13 and 14. I want you to look at this when... when uh, I think I've showed y'all this scripture here before. We're going to look at it again tonight because it's so important. If anybody ever asked you these questions, uh, when, how Jesus was describing uh, the Spirit, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Ghost, is who he's talking about here. Would you read verses 13 and 14 of John 16, please? Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will shew you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall sh show it unto you. Okay, so he calls, he keeps calling the Holy Spirit what? He. He says it seven times in those two verses. And every time when he mentions he, he tells you something that the, the Holy Spirit is going to do for you. He, and when he, the Spirit of truth, he calls him the Spirit of truth, has come. Has he come? Yes, he has. He will guide you into all truth. So he shows us truth in the Scripture. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he, he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. And he shall glorify me, he shall receive it of mine, and he shall show it unto you. And I think with all my heart, this is the he that Paul is talking about in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Thessalonians chapter 2, in verse 7. Also in, in verse uh, 7 of, of chapter 16 of St. John, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away, for if I uh, go not, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. And so Jesus has, well, what is the, what is the Comforter? What is the Spirit? Somebody give me, tell me what, what, what they think the Spirit is. The third part of the Spirit. Yeah. He's God, the Holy Spirit. He's, He's God. God. Jesus is God, the Son. He's Jesus. And Jesus says the same thing. He says, I come and do what the I've seen the Father doing and say he says he don't even bring any words lest he heard the Father say it first. Right. Holy Spirit does the same thing because he's the very same God. That's right. And so when uh, Jesus went on and talked more about the Holy Spirit, he made he identified the Holy Spirit and he said, He shall dwell in you. Yeah, he's your interpreter and God. As a matter of fact, he didn't just say it, he shall dwell in you. He said, I will dwell in you. And my Father will dwell in you. How? Because He is in us. <coughs> he. The He. And so this, this He that we're looking at in this scripture right here is the one who is holding things back. Now how is He holding it back? How, how is the Holy Spirit going to be taken out of the way? You know, the ministry, you know, the ministry of the Spirit is not going to stop in this earth. A lot of people say He 
won't be evident in the in the tribulation, but he will because salvation has got to come the same way. That's right. That's but so. but, uh, but his, when his time is over with the, the new covenant part, the church age, when the time of the Gentiles is over, he's going to be through with that job he at, is. at that time. And not only that, the Antichrist is going to be here. And all that stuff that was written about the Antichrist is going to come to pass. And it's not going to be good for those who are saved. They're going to die. Okay? They're going to die is what's going to happen to them. Anybody that refuses that mark of the beast, dead. And so that's what's going to be different right now. We can still say we're Christian. We can still meet. We're here tonight. We don't have to worry about the government sending troops in here to arrest us and taking us out and telling us to do that. We don't have to worry about that right now. Now, some countries they do, but not here. So we have this freedom. So how is the Holy Spirit going to be removed? I think we can, we can see that because the Scripture just works uh, so, so well together. Uh, Brother Jack, you've got Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Would you read that for me, please? Oh, Matthew 16, 18? Yes, 16 and 18. <clears throat> and I say unto thee, thou art, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevent fail against it. Okay, so... So Jesus tells Peter, Peter, what has what Peter just recognized about Jesus that has Jesus saying this? What has Peter had just figured out that he said when, when Jesus asked him a question, who do you say that I am? Mm -hmm. Peter answered that. What did Peter say? Thou art to Christ, the Son of the living God. And when he said that, Jesus spoke these words to him that, that Brother Jack just read. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. But he didn't stop there, did he? Mm -hmm. What else did he say? He put an and, a conjunction. He connected something to, to what he says he's fixing to do, the promise that he made. He made another promise about what he's going to do with his church. What does it say? The gates of hell will not prevail. The gates of hell will not prevail against my church. So, when you look at this, and you look over here in, in, uh, in 2 Thessalonians, and you look at chapter or 7, uh, or cha uh, yeah, chapter 7, where he's going, I mean, verse 7 in chapter 2, where he says, Now that he that letteth uh, will let until he be taken out of the way. So, the gates of hell, hell cannot prevail against the church. How do I know this? Because Jesus said so. Yeah. Now, a lot of people say, Well, he's talking about later on. No, he ain't. He's talking about when he, the first church was founded. Listen to me. They could kill Christians. They could come burn their buildings down. They could not stop that church. That, the church is still here. They have been trying to quench it, to kill it, to destroy it. They're still trying to destroy it. But they can't. Why? Because Jesus said... The gates of hell, it don't make no difference if all of hell is opened up on my church. It will prevail. How's it going to do that? Because he is going to take us out of here. And he is the one, when, the way the Holy Spirit gets taken out, is and he's not talking about the Holy Spirit can't save people anymore, but the Holy Spirit filled people. The Holy Spirit, now, what's that got to do with the church? The church is the Holy Spirit filled people. The people who are not filled with the Holy Spirit are not the church. Get that down in plain in your head. If you are not filled with the Holy Spirit, you are not the church. Amen? It might as well get that down. We have to have the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that He's going to come and He'll dwell in you. I'm going to dwell in you. You're going to dwell in me. My Father's going to dwell in you. This is how it happens. He that is led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. What is the contrary to that? They who are not led by the Spirit are not the sons of God. You can't be led by the Spirit if you don't have the Spirit. Why? Because the Spirit dwells in you. And you know when you do bad. He tells you when you do bad. He shows you what you have done to displease the Lord because the Lord has told him. That is the Holy Spirit-filled church. 
It is the Holy Spirit-filled people who are going to be taken away because that is what holds him back at bay because he cannot prevail over the church. That makes sense? Makes sense. He cannot prevail over the church. Why? Because the Lord said he couldn't. And when the Lord said he couldn't, he can't. There ain't nothing he can do to come before his time. Because the church, the Holy Spirit-filled church, is holding him back. The he of this scripture is the he that dwells in us. And we don't have that he. We're not part of it. It, it, come on, y'all. Chime in. Amen. That's, that's kind of like what reminds you of the scripture where he says, talking about not being found naked and you'll be exposed and ashamed. At that moment when that church gets taken out, imagine the people that's standing there thinking, I thought everything was all right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and they know what happened. That'd be horrible. Yeah. You, you talking about fright coming over you. I, I don't know, man. That'd be rough. Yep, Brother Troy, not here tonight. Shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he said something to me a few years ago that it really struck a chord in my little old brain. He said that he had never been to a church that taught so much about the Holy Spirit as we do here. My goodness. My goodness. Because they were in an area where the Holy Spirit was something that they shied away from because of another church that was there said so you had to act a certain way, be a certain way, do a certain thing before you could have him. Mm -hmm. I've seen that too. That's a deception mm -hmm. that Jesus was talking Be not deceived. Mm -hmm. So they can have control. That's right. They can control. They can tell you when you're saved. They can tell you when you're lost. They can. You see that all over the place still today. But the churches around that area, because of that one being the prominent church, they wouldn't even mention the Holy Spirit in their services. God help them and God help all of us. We need the Holy Ghost. I don't care what people say. The, the, is the, church. the sadder thing about that is they won't talk about sin or hell either. <laughs> Let alone prophecy. Most churches I've ever been to in my life don't touch prophecy and they don't talk about the Holy Spirit. But now in the world, they don't talk about sin. We better talk about prophecy because we're seeing it fulfilled right before our eyes. He put it there for a reason. We're it's seeing part it. Of waiting and watching before we can see what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking, me and Bob was talking today. And uh, you know, I told Bob, I, you know, I, I don't get everything right. In Revelation, I promise you, I have not gotten everything right thus far. And we even go back this is Sunday. We're going to go back and kind of relick stuff that, that I've been talked to about people because everybody's got an opinion. And a lot of times there's more than one idea. Sometimes you can merge them together and you might get a whole picture, but sometimes there's some of them makes more sense than others. And so we're going to revisit two, two things that we talked about last Sunday night that I, I was real blunt with. And we're going to look at other ideas on it. Okay, that's where we're going to start next Sunday night off. Uh, so, uh, so be prepared for that. And uh, matter of fact, if you want to, where were we at last Sunday? I want to go back and and uh, look at that. Uh, we're starting chapter fifteen. Yeah, well, well, we started fifteen, chapter fourteen, verse fourteen. We finished up fourteen. Yeah. Yeah, we finished up. So y'all go back and read fourteen through twenty in chapter fourteen, and. Uh, and uh, we're going we're gonna to re-examine that just a little bit. We're not going to spend the whole time on it, but re-examine it a little bit. But, but what we see here is, the, is that the fact of who the Holy Spirit is and the fact that Jesus has promised to the church that the gates of hell will not prevail against it, it is enough to satisfy me that the church is going to have to be removed. The Holy Spirit-filled people is going to have to be removed. Can people still receive the Holy Spirit? Yes. But see, at the time of the rapture of the church, all of the Holy Spirit-filled people are going to be taken away. There's not going to be any. For just a, a time. I don't know how much time. There ain't going to be any. They're going to be taken away. Think, think about that. 
For a moment in time, there will be no Holy Spirit filled people left on this planet because when He comes to get them, He's going to get all of them. Well, there's be some the, evil going on. Right. Is that when the two, two come in to. After that. After that, after the road. Yeah. Taken up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to me, the, the seven years of tribulation can't start to then. Antichrist can't, can't be revealed, and, and we're fixing to look at that because of this. So the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And, and this is what must be taken away in order for hell. And it still don't overcome the church because the church is gone. <coughs> Amen? There's nothing there for it to overcome. It's not there anymore. Yeah. They're with Jesus Christ. They're not going to be overcome. They can't be. They can't be. And so this is a beautiful thing. This is what our hope is, by the way. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, in His promise. And, and that he, we have got the right interpretation and He is going to come get us. We know that. We know that. And so when, when we look at this, this Holy Spirit-filled people are gone and, and He's taken out, uh, out of the way, raptured or caught up or whatever, however you want to look at it. Then what? Then what happens? For, for, for It's almost real sobering when you think you said something a while ago, there's going to be a lot of people who think they are, and Jesus talked about them encountering him at the white throne judgment. People that thought they were, but they're not. And the, and the, the, the next time they see him, they're going to stand to him in judgment, and, and, and he's going to say, I don't know who you are. And then, you remember? And, and they, they're going to argue with him. And, yeah, you do. No, he don't. They're not Holy Spirit-filled people. I don't care what they've done in his name. I don't care how many miracles they have performed. When Jesus said, I don't know you, he means it, and he wants to say he knows you. But there's something we got to do in order for him to say it. We've got to be filled with the Spirit. Do you think people could really believe, convince themselves that they're saved when they're really not? Well, you just think about this. How many people who say they're saved never feel guilty? Never feel remorse. Never. Well, I am. I'm talking about people in the church who live this way. Okay, but I'm talking about the, to their own personal self, to their own self and truth. Deep in their heart of hearts, I wonder if they don't think, well, I've still got enough time. I've still got enough time. No, I don't I think so. They, they have fallen for a lie that they have been told. That if you walk that aisle and shake that preacher's hand, you're I'm saved sure. and your name is written down in the Lamb book. They have believed that. They weren't told that in here. <laughs> and they ain't always the, the reason to. A lot of it's uh, what they choose and, and, and they look at it like, I'm just as good as anybody else. I'm no different than anybody else. <laughs> and they tell themselves. That's just like what you was talking about a while ago, the mystery of iniquity has the same origin and method it's always had deceitfulness and lies and who's the father of lies right. well when this church is gone and the world's sitting there and this guy appears on the scene it's going to be revealed alright because they're going to know they're going to see why everything was like it was and why it was so terrible mm -hmm. but the sad thing about it is they're going to already believe a lie again and follow this guy yeah. they're going to be totally deceived yeah, I believe one of the biggest revivals that's ever going to happen is after the church is raptured. And they're still going to have to be filled with the Spirit. If they're not, they're going to yield to the Antichrist. They're going to. And the only difference there is the Spirit is that they're going to be made a new creature just like we again, but they're not going to, they're not going to be quickened into an immoral body. That's the difference. Yeah. He's not... He's done that work. When yeah, they're going to have to stay here. Yeah, that's right. The rapture's over. The catching away is over with. Now you've got something to look forward to that you've got to overcome, and you've got to overcome it. And, and the scripture is plain: it's overcome the same way then that it is now. How? By the blood of the Lamb. Yeah. He that overcometh overcometh by the blood of the Lamb. The scripture tells us, even in Revelation, the group that was there, that they overcame by the blood. They had been killed, but they overcame the wicked one by the blood of the Lamb. They died refusing to reject Jesus Christ. They died refusing to worship the beast. Why? Because they were saved. They knew what the apostles knew. 
after they got saved. Before, when Jesus got taken to the cross, what did they do? They ran and hid. They ran and hid after they buried him. They were still hiding when he resurrected. Three days later, they were still hiding. Scared to death. Doors locked. All of them together, shivering. They're going to come get us too. When he resurrected, that's the way they were. Amen. So, anyway, it says here in verse uh, verse eight, and then and then when this is, when he when the the one that withholdeth is taken away, the one that is withholding, which what I think we have made our really made our case for, it's a Holy Spirit filled church. It's going to be taken away. The Holy Spirit, the He that withholdeth, is going to be taken out for that brief time. There's no saved people, and guess who's going to be revealed. Someone for them to worship. They know Holy Spirit filled people left. They're gone. And then it says, and then shall that wicked, and look at, I don't know what y'all's Bible says, but mine's King James, and it says wicked. It's got a capital W. Y'all notice that? Yes. <laughs> what are some of the other Bibles y'all have? Is it, is it, does it say the wicked one? And is it capitalized in your Bibles? Mm -hmm. In my Bible, it says, And then shall that wicked, which is the capital W, be revealed. And he, he, it is very plain who the wicked that he's talking about is. Because he, he makes a description of what Jesus Christ is going to do to the wicked. One. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah, he, he, the Lord, it says right here, verse 8, And when that wicked one... The, and then, when the church is taken away, then that wicked will be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Who's got Revelation 19, 19 through 21? Brother Gary, read that for us. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on a horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped the image. These both were cast into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and out the fowls were filled with their flesh. So this, this that Paul is telling us about in Thessalonians is, is, is told in Revelation chapter 19 about the, the one who with the spirit of, with, 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 shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Look at the first order of business, and that's in this verse uh, 19, and, and uh, and uh, 20 uh, of, the, of Revelation in chapter 19, when Jesus first comes to the earth the second time, when he comes, and he, he's come with, with the armies, and I say the, the beast, and I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse. Remember how I described Jesus coming? He's gonna be on a white horse, he's gonna have a crown, he's gonna have a vesture on him, that with a name that the, the, the Revelation said that no man will know. No man will know that name. Why? <laughs> the name of Jesus is forgot about at this time. When the church is gone, who's going to preach the name of Jesus? When they killed all of the people that have believed in him, who's going to know Jesus' name other than the saints that are Jews? Everybody else gathered together against them. So they're not going to know his name. And that's bewildering to us. Well, we're supposed to know his name. Well, we do, but they don't. Okay? But what about the ones that Todd was talking about? Just going to think, oh, man, I thought everything was kosher. Don't they know his name? Even if they're not living for it, don't they know his uh, name? They're, they're probably well gone by this time. Where would they be? They're either dead because they figured it out or they're worshiping the beast and they're afraid to mother his name at all. I thought he was talking about the first, the first rapture. Uh, this this happens. No, I'm talking about what Tom was saying. 
Yeah. When well, they first came, yeah, you know, yeah, they first was raptured and he yeah. was, like, people would be like, oh man, what if, yeah. they knew what was happening and they're like, oh man, I yeah. messed up. Yeah, but this is sometime this later. Is later on. Later. And and uh, as far as we can tell, all these are dead, except the ones in, in Jerusalem. And, and we, when we get into Revelation, when this time happens, we can get into that part. But it says that, uh, and, and the beast, and look what he does. When he when he shows up, and they come to make war with him on the horse, and the saints that are with him, saints that are with him, and the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshiped his image. These both, the beast and the false prophet, the wicked one, were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. Christ didn't kill them. He put them in the lake of fire and brimstone. Yeah. He put them in the last hell. There ain't gonna be no Great white throne judgment for them. They passed gold and they, they passed gold and went straight to hell. Right. And he put them there. He and he. The Bible said he cast them alive so into that. There was no second death or resurrection. They just went. <laughs> <laughs> it's straight there. Because why? The son of perdition. And I believe he'll do it in the millennial reign too. Because when it talks about him ruling with a rod of iron, when his government and his peace take over this world and it's righteous you got to remember people that's living in the flesh still have a sin nature but it won't be allowed in that kingdom if if they do commit sin blatant open sin I've heard I've heard messages about this that he will cast them in the lake right then I mean, the Bible don't say it. You know, where it talks about the smoke of their torment. Well, see, you know, when we're in heaven, we won't see that. Yeah. We won't see anything that's bad. But if somebody is recognizing and aware of the smoke of their torment raising, maybe as a reminder of the penalty of sin. I, I really don't you know, believe they, that. that, that I I've, heard it, I've heard it talked about. I heard it preached, but they're preaching something that's not in the scriptures. Maybe, so, maybe it's just conjecture, I guess. Because I think when Christ comes and he rules the earth and the government with the rod of iron, he, I think what he is talking about, he is fixing to change everything in this world, including nature. And we know he does oh, that. Yeah. He, he increases lifespan. He, he does all of these things, and he... He, that, that's why the animals don't act like the way they do. They do now. They ain't gonna act, even act that. Right. That is what he's going to do. He's going to change everything about this place in your rule. He's going to make it a very semblance to the Garden of Eden. It's going to be very similar to the Garden of Eden. Because the scripture tells us, and we're going to go over this later on in the prophecies in the Old Testament, that, that describe, uh, especially in Isaiah, he describes the rule, the reign of the second coming of Christ, and he gives us little details about what life is going to be like for men and now, them. Okay, you know where it says there still be marriage and giving in marriage and a kid being born in the natural and in the millennial reign, and he gives them 100 years mm -hmm. to live. So what do you think or believe about uh, someone maybe sinning during that time. I believe that uh, that Christ is going to be like he was in the beginning, that he still is, even though he's come and he's destroyed the Antichrist. I think he's going to leave a, a, an opening for people to adjust and receive him. And, and it's going to be going on a thousand years. Yeah, right. But there's going to be people, he said men will live a hundred years. So there's going to, how many generations? Just think generation. about that. Yeah. If they're being born, they're going to live that length of time okay. and they're going to die. So there's going to be ten generations of, of, of people, ten uh, that live a hundred years in that span of time is going to die. They're going to die on this earth. And so the, the, their salvation is still going to be in the one that, that's, that's yeah. their king. That they believe in him and they worship him, but there's going to be those who don't. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say, well, how do you know that? Because he's going to leave. When he does, what happens? They go right back to what they were doing. You consider too. He says, "I came in the world not to condemn it, but that it should be saved by me." You know, yeah, it, that it should be saved. Yeah, and but he extends his mercy throughout that time. I guess. I think that. 
because scripture says that his grace is sufficient for every need and his mercy endures forever. Mm -hmm. It's unending. Mm -hmm. he, he still loves these people. But I think what you have apply, like when he says, I came not to condemn, I don't know whether that still applies in his second coming. It applied to his first coming. Because that which is perfect has come now. And that which is perfect they, is already they don't, they don't need to read the Bible no more or worry about what prophecy says because he's standing right there. He's standing right there. And so, uh, uh, and we just tell them that's too far down the road, I mean, for us. And, and we just don't know exactly what that's going to look like because the Bible don't. And, and I think the Bible is given to us for with that purpose that we don't know all of that stuff. Why? We're not going to need to know. We're not going to need to know that stuff. But when it gets to that time, uh, we've been gone for a thousand, over a thousand years. We've been gone. And so uh, I think that's why it's vague and it's why it's dangerous to try to fill in those gaps with these ideas that he, you know, he's going to send people to fire and rent on even, but he, we do know he does that to the false prophet and Antichrist because he said so in Revelation. And then it says, though, what else is he going to do uh, during that time? It says that he puts them, cast them alive in the lake of fire, uh, and then he, uh, uh, the false prophets that wrought miracles with him, which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image, these both were cast alive into a fire, a lake of fire. So he took the two that deceived everybody, and the remnant of those that that uh, that worshipped him were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse. And they're the ones that are gathered together to destroy Israel. That's when he come back. And they've done a pretty good job of it. We'll get into all that stuff when we get back into Revelation uh, get down to that part. Uh, there's a lot to look at in the Scripture concerning that time. And so we're going to have to look at all that. And, and I told Bob today uh, when we were talking, I said, man, I, I still ain't got it all figured out in my brain, the World War III and the Armageddon and the last war. And I, I really got to do a lot of praying and studying and researching on that, see if I can get it straight in my mind. Just about the time I think I got it straight, it ain't straight no more. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, anyway, uh, we, we'll have to work together as, a, as the body of believers. When we get into that area, we need to all study and see what we can see, what the Lord tells us. Because the Lord, Lord speaks to us many different ways, and he uses many different people to speak to us sometimes. He even uses babies, children sometimes to speak to us. And so we need to be ready for that. And, and, and know that he can show us things and reveal things to us. But it says that he will, so we read this, uh, he said the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. We just read that in Revelation where that takes place and he's talking about the wicked with the capital W. Uh, when the Lord comes back, this is the one he's going to destroy. So we know that the Antichrist and the, is the one he's talking about. The one he's talking about. And he appears first and the false prophet appears very soon after that. And, and uh, so uh, then, he, then he goes into a description. We, we're just about through. Uh, the, that, uh, in, in verses 9 through 12, and then he, he goes into uh, a description. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan. He says that this wicked with a capital W is the one who is coming after the working of Satan. And he has all, with all power and signs and lying wonders. Boy, he's going to be full of stuff. He's going to have all this power. Who gives it to him? God does. To do what? To deceive people. Amen? Y'all listen, listen. We know that there's deception going on right now. God is allowing deception to go on right now. It's, it, God does not keep us from being deceived. Boy, it's quiet in here. Uh -huh. Amen. You're right. He expects us to figure that out for ourselves. How? Through the Word. Yeah. If you're deceived, it ain't His fault, it's your fault. If you listen to God, you're not going you yeah. to that. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we can be deceived momentarily. But yeah, but he's gonna he's gonna let us know. If you've got the spirit, he's gonna convict you. This is wrong. Yeah. More times than we might want. 
And then they last seven or eight years, deceived, 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 and all of a sudden you just, I know, I've been there. All of a sudden the light comes on and you realize you was wrong. I read the scripture, I read it again, I read it again, I read it, and it didn't make no sense. Mm -hmm. I knew I'd been deceived. And we'll all be deceived if we're not careful. If we only listen to what, what teachers teach and preachers preach, we can be deceived. He brought this up long ago, how preachers had preached that during the millennial reign of Christ, he's going to cast people in the lake of fire and brimstone. It's absolutely not in the scripture. We're not allowed to preach that kind of stuff. I forgot where I even seen that study, but it was years ago. And yeah. I never locked on to that myself. You know? <laughs> it's not there. And, and so what's not there, we can't put it there. Amen? Especially in Revelation, because it gives an explicit warning in Revelation. You don't add to this book, and you don't take away from this book. That's an that's a explicit warning. Or you'll suffer the plague of grace. <laughs> <laughs> or the plague of this book will be upon you. And so think about that. We don't get to do that. And so we have to be very careful. That's why it's important that we go back in the Old Testament and even in the, in the Gospels and even in the, the Epistles and we see these things that show what we're studying in Revelation. And we can't make it say what they don't tell us. We have no way of knowing. And so we can kind of dabble with what's going to happen as a result of things. We can dabble. We can, we, we can guess at geographical locations. We can guess at which ocean it's going to happen in. We can guess at which armies it's going to We can make all those guesses. But the scripture don't tell us who they are. Amen. Amen. And man, you can go back in that library, I promise you. And there's some books in there that tells you those things that we just talked about. And they don't know. But they'll try to tell you that. And so we have to be careful about that. And I have to be careful about that. We all do. And like I said, we need to be willing to say, you know what, I got that wrong. <laughs> I'm fallible. Amen? We all are. And so he says, uh, this, he's coming after, after the work of Satan. He's got all the power, he, with all power and signs and lying wonders. And look at this, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness. Mm -hmm. That's what we're seeing right now. We're already seeing that. That is the spirit of Antichrist that's already here. That is what the, the, the spirit of Antichrist that worketh now is this deceitfulness and the unrighteousness that, uh, of unrighteousness in them that, that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Amen? You don't get saved by disobeying God. You don't get saved your way. The scripture said that sin is a reproach to some people, to only lost people, no, the sin is sin is a reproach to all people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the preacher down, yep. the pope. Mm -hmm. Sin is a reproach to any people and all people. And so we don't we deceive. You know, Sister Terry, you asked me a while ago how people could do that. We deceive our own self. Those people that believe they're saved without any proof of it, without even knowing anything about it, they keep living the way, they are deceiving themselves and saying to themselves, I'm saved. It's hard for me to picture how you could, to that own self be true, I've been, all my life I've been taught that. How can you lie to yourself? Hmm. This is yourself you're lying to, hello. I mean, how can you do that? But we, we all know that it does happen. We, we have convinced ourselves, look at your children. A lot of times we look at our children and somebody will come and say, do you know what your child does? <laughs> Not mine. My child wouldn't do that. They know better than that. And then we get to checking around and guess what? They did exactly what we were told they did and we couldn't believe it, huh? But we deceived ourselves in believing our child can't do that. That is the spirit of deception. <laughs> That's a spirit of deception. Sensation human. We have a tendency to justify wherever we're at. We do. 
And that's that's where you get deceived. That's right. That's self-deception. When you just when, when and we experience that even today in, in the church, we see the spirit of self-deception all the time. When people say, I'm justified in one of them, you're not. No, you're not. Amen. We're only justified in what the Lord shows us and tells us. We've got to live for Him no matter whether we agree with it or not. That's where the power of the Holy Spirit, after you receive the Holy Spirit, you should have received the power. That's where the power of the Holy Spirit comes in is when we don't, He don't allow us to deceive ourselves and we see and recognize what we're doing is wrong, even though we feel we're justified in doing it. The Lord says, no, you're not justified in doing it. You're not. You stomp your foot all you want to, but I'm God. And you know what? I don't know about the rest of you, but it just, I don't know why the Lord had to make such stringent rules. <laughs> Think about it. Why do I got to forget? You know, you'd be surprised how many times I've been asked that question. Why do I got to forgive them? Why can't I get even? Why can't I do this? They did this to me. Why can't I do this to them? Just one of the things we don't like about the scripture. It says we can. Yeah. We can, but it's sin. There's more sin, now listen, y'all listen to this, and I'll pick the club. There's more sin committed <coughs> by the one that thinks they're justified in doing what they're doing than there is by those who know better. Amen? Amen. There is more sin committed by the one who has justified themselves in doing it than those who know better. Flesh is always going to gravitate to what fills the best. That's right. Because we, we're looking at things carnally and we're looking at things in the flesh. The two things the scripture says, we cannot please God doing those. We cannot please God doing those things. It's blunt. It's blunt. We've got to figure out whether we want to please God or please ourselves. And I guarantee you that's the hardest decision that we'll ever make in our Amen. life. It's whether to please Him or me. And I have to admit a lot of times I fail and do me. And we all do. But the thing about it is we must recognize when we do that. And we have to repent from it. It is a sin to God. And that becomes a reproach to us. I know we don't like this kind of teaching. That's why they put 15, 20 people in here. They, people don't want to hear this stuff. They, they want to be told you go to heaven and just act in, you just run, run a wild horse down through there and slay everybody you want to and kick and go on and do anything you want to and be carnal and worldly all year. And you're going. They've been deceived. You're going, okay. Not <laughs> They, they're going up there all right, but it's going to be brief. It's going to be brief. All deceit, all, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. You know what? I might not like the truth, but I love it. Because I know it's for my own good. He, he did these things for not my own good but for our own good. We need cohesiveness. We need unity. We need love in the church. We, the people of God who are filled with the Holy Spirit must love and tolerate one another. He tells us to forbear. Hard. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's not. It's very hard. And And... Satan, when he sees that we're upset and mad about something, he just keeps kicking. Keeps bringing it up. Keeps bringing other things to the forefront. What we saw here last Sunday morning is the key to bow and worship before a holy God and just give it to Him. Service like that just Satan fits. Just give it. Look, that burnt Satan up. Worse than anything we could have done when that's almost this whole church building bowed before God. 
That's how you whip him. Jesus said, cast all your cares on the preacher. Cast all your cares on the teacher. Cast all your cares on your wife. Cast all your cares on your husband. No. He said, put them on me. Not someone else. Him. And that's where we got to put those things. We got to give them to him. And then just leave it alone and watch what he starts to do. And I guarantee you, if you give those things to him and you start to watch what he, you'll see things. <laughs> you will. You'll see things. You, you'll see God beginning to work and you'll hear people say things. You'll see people begin to do different things. You'll see things start changing with people. You know, God can give us something to worry about outside tormenting everybody else. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I mean, look what he did to Hezekiah. I mean, uh, to Nebuchadnezzar. He put him on his hands and knees, let his hair grow long, and called, and he walked around eating grass in the fields for seven years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. I mean, he can do those things. We got to let him do be God and us stay his children. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion. That's the delusion of the world right now. Strong delusion. That they should believe a lie. Things we talked about here tonight is a lie that so many believe. That I can just do anything I want to. That is the deception, the deceivableness of unrighteousness, that's how we've got the queer church. That's how we got queer preachers. That's how come we got those wicked-looking, hoary-looking men-looking women that shake their rear ends and six-year-olds' faces at their schools. That's crazy. That's it. That's what it is. And they want to make all these things the keynote, uh, first of the list topic to talk about when it has nothing to do with... Uh, you know, progression of a better country, a better civilization, or nothing. These are little ridiculous things that they bring to the limelight and they just run it down your throat. I know. And that's the way it's done. Well, it's one mind. Yeah. And, and look at the end of this. Now, what's going to happen to those who believe the lie? That they all might be damned. That's tough stuff right there. Mm -hmm. They might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Mm -hmm. It leads to damnation. What does the Bible tell us about sin? The pleasures of sin are but for a season. Don't say it ain't pleasurable. Don't even say it ain't fun. But it leads to damnation. We do know that much. We just think. Thank y'all for being here tonight. Uh, don't forget our, those on our prayer list. Uh, oh, and don't forget Brother Sam's. Uh, I got that. I need to read this to y'all really, really quickly. Here it is. Uh, uh, Sam's brother, uh, their visitation was tonight from 6 to 7.30. And... Uh, but so we won't be able to make those that are here won't be able to make it up there. It, uh, the Texas County Funeral Home, but they will not have a funeral service uh, in the church tomorrow. But at one o'clock in the Memorial Garden Cemetery, uh, they're going to have a graveside service. Anybody that wants to be there, and it's on 5200 East Broad Street. Brother Sam told me he thought that was the uh, the cemetery out on 67. Yeah, and on the Arkansas side. Anyway, 5200 Broad Street in Texas County. I'm going to put that in so you can find it. Because I, I ain't for certain that's exactly where it is yet. But I think that's it. I think it's one out on 67. Okay? So if you want to go there at 1 o'clock tomorrow. Well, Todd, you dismiss us, please. Lord, thank you for your goodness and grace. Thank you for your son, Jesus, that you sent into this world to what he did for all of us. Lord, help us to convey 
that he did it for every man and a woman and child and told them that, the little Christ. For we are the ones to be sowing that seed. And Lord, you give an increase after that, Lord. But, but help us to have the boldness to, to do that. Each opportunity we give, Lord, we just couldn't thank you enough for our, the lives you've given us, which, what all you've done for us in our lives. Through the ups, ups and downs, Lord, you, uh, we'd be nothing without you. Just can't bless you and praise you enough for that. Bring us back again Sunday morning, expecting again to hear from you and to be able to worship you and feel your presence. Go with us, Lord, as we leave. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.